Volatility, uncertainty, complexity. This is the work environment that is our reality. What will leaders need to know to be successful in the future? Who will they need to be to build team member commitment? How will they need to show up to create a motivating environment for their people? Welcome to the Sal Sylvester on the Future of Leadership podcast, a dialogue about how leaders will need to adapt to be successful in a rapidly changing world. And now, please join your host and executive producer, Sal Sylvester, to engage in the conversation about the future of leadership and how to transform people into confident leaders. Hello, and welcome to season five of Sal Sylvester on the Future of Leadership. I am Sal Sylvester, your host and founder and CEO of 512 Solutions, an executive coaching and leadership development firm based here in Boulder, Colorado. And our mission is to help people create healthy, aligned, and more human workplaces. Well, first of all, I want to wish you all a very happy holiday season. Hope you get some time to relax and reflect, spend some time with family and friends. This will be our last episode before the holidays, and then we'll have a few more episodes for season five coming up in January after the new year. So as you may know, this season's been all about creating a more deeply human workplace. I believe our greatest gift as human beings is our ability to adapt. And the more that we can tap into our humanness, our humanity, the more successful we'll be in business and beyond. And that's exactly what we're going to focus on in our conversation today. With more uncertainty and possibility for a recession in our current economic state, our ability to adapt both individually and organizationally will be really critical. So today, I am thrilled to let you know that we've got Simon Severino on the show today. And Simon, as you may know, is the author of Strategy Sprints, 12 Ways to Accelerate Growth for an Agile Business. He's the CEO of Strategy Sprints, a leading growth advisory consultancy that specializes in scaling businesses. And he's been trusted by some of the best names in business, including Google and Roche and Consilience Venture and Amgen and a number of other great companies. He's also a TEDx speaker, a contributor to Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine, and a member of the Silicon Valley Blockchain Society. So in this episode, Simon and I dive deep into the topic of agility and how it relates not just to surviving, but actually thriving in recessionary periods. This conversation is both strategic and really pragmatic at the same time. So let's go out to the interview with Simon now. Simon, thank you for being here, and it's great to have you on the show today. I'm so excited to be here. Hello, everybody. Simon, tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you got into this line of work of being an advisor and consultant to so many great businesses that we've all heard of. I did fall in love with one thing 21 years ago, and that was the problem of go-to-market. Because whenever people would ask me for different seminars, workshops, retreats to solve problems, that was the one topic where they were so on fire. If I would say, hey, guys, I don't think we're moving forward here. I think we need to stay until Monday. Can we stay until Monday with all with your global team? They, of course, Simon. No problem. Until Monday or Tuesday, 
How much should we extend here? Because this is vital. If we don't get the market strategy right, and if our top team is not aligned, and we don't have activities that build upon each other laid out and committed, there is no execution when we go out here. So yes, we need until Tuesday, no problem. And I was like, wow, it's one big problem, how we enter a market, how we crush it in the market. It's intellectually stimulating because there is no answer yet. We have to find the answer. And they are so on fire. I was like, all right, can I do this every day for the next 15 years? This is my thing. Hmm. And so I called it strategy sprints and I've been doing nothing else every year. Now, fast forward 21 years later, I'm still doing only this one thing in different hmm. roles yeah. and uh, different people need me in different ways, but it's still the one thing that I'm in love with. And I am, I'm blessed that I can do this every day. As we kind of roll into 2023 and you and I are recording this on December 1st, 2022, there's a lot of uncertainty in the market. There's a lot of talk about recession. We've seen layoffs at many large tech companies and beyond. What's your sense of how leaders, CEOs are thinking now or should be thinking in the face of this level of uncertainty? February this year, I wrote a book on how to run an agile business. And agile strategy sprints. Yes, it's called yeah. strategy sprints. Thank yeah. you. And agile means you are built in a way that you can respond quick to stuff that happens. So outside supply chain breaks, you can you are able to respond in the same velocity. Then you are agile. You are able to respond and you need much longer time. You are rigid. That's the difference. You're agile yes. when you can respond to stuff in the same velocity that it happens. If not, you are rigid. And you don't want to be rigid in those times. You want yeah. to be agile because that means a higher fit. If you remember Darwin's survival of the fittest, the fittest is not the strongest or the biggest. The fittest is the one that has the highest fit. And fit means it changes, you can change. It stays the same, you can stay the same. That's the fit. It's literally the fit between you and the environment. An environment for every organization is, of course, the markets. So your users, your clients, the people you are here to serve, both externally and internally. That's the environment. So that's why fit is the most important thing. And in fit, it's about learning, the velocity of learning. How much can we learn about the people we are here to serve? Can we know them a little bit better? Can we hear what they need a little bit faster than our competitors? That's a good strategy. Right? Yeah. To be so connected, to listen well, and to see the weak signals so that you can start already delivering on them, that's the best fit. And you do that by building an organization that is like Lego, not like Duplo. Mm. So if you don't have kids, I have to explain Lego I've got two yard kids, so I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. But yes. let's, let's explain it for our listeners. Yes. So if you have a Lego cowboy, with that Lego cowboy, you can rebuild that cowboy into a house, into a car, into a pool. But if you have a Duplo 
cowboy. That's just a cowboy. That's it. Mm -hmm. Can't do nothing else because it's just one big piece. But Lego is small pieces. And so if you are built in small pieces, you can now rebuild, regroup, adapt, evolve. That's why you want to be built in very small pieces. How to do that? In the book, I explain very deeply how to do that for the marketing processes, the sales processes, and the operations processes. Mm -hmm. Let's say you just have three habits installed. And I think with those three habits, you can come quite far. These are the three habits that I live every day and that we share with our clients. It's a daily habit, a weekly habit, and a monthly habit. Yeah. With those things, you have an operating system that lets you navigate all waters, all weathers. Daily habit, how are we allocating our time? What we will delegate tomorrow? And delegate can be, you just cut it. Not doing anymore, which is a good thing to do in recessions or in preparations for recessions. Can also mean automating things, mm-hmm. which is what great companies are doing. If you look at Amazon, etc., they are thinking a lot about automations. Tesla, that's the winning recipe right there. And, you know, automation of the boring things, of course, things that are not human in the first place. Because really human tasks cannot be automated. But mechanical tasks can and should be automated. It wasn't human in the first place. It was a thing from the industrial age. Yeah. To do things that a machine can do. Yeah. We are here to think. We are here because of our dreams, aspiration, because of our genius, because of our soul that expresses itself in creative thoughts. That's what we are here to do. Uh, Ethical standards, thinking about inclusivity, morality. This is the human superpower. Yeah, it's such a great point. I recently released a book called The Deeply Human Workplace. And this whole season has been about how do we create that deeply human workplace? Because... I believe that if we can tap more into who we are as humans, we can leverage our greatest strength, which is adaptability. And I think that speaks directly to your your concept that you've written about in in uh, strategy sprints around. Look, we need to build an organ uh, an agile organization, especially as we move into periods of higher levels of uncertainty. Yeah. So that's the daily habit. How did I allocate my time today? What will I delegate tomorrow? And I use two reflective questions. We have a template for people to to use it easier and to to stay with the habit. People can download it later. We can can show them where to download it for free. Great. So it's the daily flow. And it asks me two things. It asks me, Simon, of all the things that you did today, which one will you delegate tomorrow? And if you would live more freely and more intentionally, what will you do tomorrow? Informed by this quick reflection, I now create my flow of tomorrow. Because it's not enough just to do work. It's mm-hmm. it's important, and that's the human being part. We learn from what we do, and we, and we get better every day. Yeah. So that's one learning loop for everybody in the team. And that means from CEO to everybody. Everybody in the team does the daily flow in our team and the people we we coach. Then the weekly habit, are we moving in the right direction at the right pace? This is velocity. Velocity is not 
speed because you can mm -hmm. be very fast in the wrong direction. And so you're running the fastest marathon, but you are on the wrong street, not very helpful. So are we running in the right direction at the right pace? That's the velocity question. In physics, velocity is speed, including direction. Mm -hmm. And so how do you do that as a team? You do that by having one dashboard every week that tells you the one marketing number, the one sales number, and the one operations number of that week that tells you 80% of the story that you need to know. You need to know, are we moving in the right direction at the right pace? And direction is even more important than pace. So you have to check that you are still on track in those two things. We do this weekly because what you don't do weekly, you actually never do. Let's be honest. Yeah, it slips. Yeah, it doesn't happen. It slips. It slips. You know, all these goals, these New Year's goals, etc. they never work because they don't put it into a weekly progress tracking habit. Yeah. Never becomes real. Yeah. So it, something becomes real as soon as you track it weekly. Mm -hmm. So you've got sort of the daily habits, which really are individual based, the weekly habits, which tend to be more team based. And so with the dashboard, is that reviewed by, let's say, a leadership team during a meeting? Or what does that physically look like? Yes, it's the leadership team. And we look at, at marketing and sales and operations. So we simplify the business into these three buckets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the difference to most other habits, if you don't do this, you never bring together sales and operations, sales and marketing, marketing and operations. They are great at avoiding each other. You have to bring them together. Yeah. So what happens when you bring them together, you have conversations where you start seeing how dependent they are and how misaligned they are, because they usually are. So for example, you are buying materials and you are thinking about the price that you pay for this, those materials, but you don't think it in the context of your overall cash flow, and you don't think in the context of the sales and the profit of that project, then you're actually not doing a good job in mm -hmm. negotiating the right price because you don't, you don't know the full price and the full costs. And that's just one example of every day you have to buy materials. Yep. If yeah. you just buy materials, you cannot do it right. You have to think the whole cash flow of that whole process and how the materials will be used. Yeah. So that's why it's important that you have operations, marketing, and sales represented once a week, and they have to discuss stuff. So for example, you start doing it, and then marketing will say, oh, yeah, I have 50 KPIs. I, I don't have just one. And I say, okay, which one is the most relevant? So that's the first very important conversation. Which one is the most relevant? Is it watch time, number of subscribers per week, number of people who were on the website? Is the website really so relevant? What is really relevant? And so when you pick just one number, you have these conversations which are super important. Now you have a super focused marketing team after that. And also they will say some numbers. They will say, oh yeah, number of watch time. And then sales will say, who cares about watch time? 
doesn't tell me anything. If somebody watches more, doesn't tell me that it's better. If they watch less, doesn't tell me that it's better. So that's not a relevant number. And they will realize that all of the 50 KPIs, only 12 matter. And of those 12, there are three that matter much more. Yeah. So they will pick one of them. And their whole marketing team will be super aligned because every seven days they can measure activities towards that one number. Mm -hmm. Simon, I'm going to shift a bit, then we'll come back because I know there's another habit, which is really around monthly habits. But part of what we see, and I think what's so important about bringing the sales marketing operations together is leaders, especially at senior and executive levels, often have competing priorities. It's natural for that to occur in a business. What are what are some of the traits or characteristics that you found are important for sales marketing operations to be able to work through those differences, those interdependencies, those competing priorities from like a personal leadership characteristic? Then we'll get back to the monthly habits. Yes, yeah, so they're always in conflict because yeah. most teams have too many activities and too many agendas. And those agendas are sub goals and total goals. So sub goals is I'm the sales department, I have sales goals. But those are just part goals. Like we call them sub goals. It's a subsystem. It's not yeah. the whole system. So it's a subsystem. It's like you have a you have a, a football team and you're just asking defense what they want to do. Well, they just wanna do defense, but you will never win a game with just defense. So there are the subsystems goals and there is the, there are the overall goals. And that's why we are strategy sprints, because we always look at the whole systems first. That's the strategy. Mm -hmm. And how does each department know what their goal is? They cannot possibly know except by looking at the current strategy. This is where your goals come from. Yeah. You don't have any goals before you haven't checked the current strategy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And then you have goals. Yeah. So now we will have a sprint dashboard that says, these are the three things that we want to accomplish this week. This week. And now everybody is aligned. And conflicts of goal conflicts will arise. But it's a very quick discussion because you look at that number and say, mm, okay, should I do this or that? Well, look there, which one drives that number forward? And we're aligned again on the weekly level. Now there are some things that are bigger. We do them on a monthly level. Because many people right now might ask, but I don't have the strategy on one page. I don't have the strategy in a simple way that I can immediately take decisions upon. So that's the monthly habit. Every month we look at the strategy. Strategy mm -hmm. on one page. And budgeting according to that strategy. So some people think strategy is a list of activities. It's not. Strategy is an assumption how you are going to win. And it's a set of activities that build upon each other and that make sure that you are going to win. And so we build that on one page. Again, we have templates for that for, for our clients to, to not waste time on thinking about process. They just do their stuff. Right. We do the focus for them. And so on one page, there will be the strategy. And it says, this is our vision in three years. 
these are the three things that we do this year. These are the five things that we do this quarter. And these are the three numbers, how we measure all of that, that it's, that it's moving forward every week. That's the monthly habit. On monthly habit, we do strategy, quick competitive analysis. Do, do we need to change something? No, okay, fine. In all the features that we're doing, which one are we winning? Which one are we losing, actually? And then we say, oh, we are losing in these features. Well, let's cut costs this month. This month. And so I wrote that already in February, but this is now especially vital in recession preparation or recession navigation. Yeah. Rebudget every month. Be very intentionally. And how do you rebudget? You look at your investments and costs. And so basically your budget, right? Your monthly budget. Don't make it a, an annual budget process. And I'm not talking PL, I'm talking what you really what you really want to invest in next month, the monthly budget, like your personal budget at home, right? You have your buckets, what you're going to spend. And you have your conversation with your spouse, hopefully, and you prioritize. <laughs> right. So that's the, the budgeting process that we recommend that is very important in a recession that you look at, okay, where are we currently investing in? What are the two things where we are not winning there? So we will immediately divest from there. And let's say we can cut 15%, 20% of our costs there. We will immediately reinvest those in the next month into the two features where we are currently winning. Now, you are already winning in that category. So it's a recession. But against your competitors, you are winning in those two things. Now you put in 15%, 20% more attention and more budget. You are now in a very good strategic position and in a defendable position. Because in a recession, it's only about two things. One is liquidity. Cash is king. Mm -hmm. And I say this as a Bitcoiner, you know, but in a... Right. In a <laughs> I'm a digital assets guy. I'm not a friend of fiat money. But in a recession, cash is king because liquidity wins the game. The liquid teams will go through those 12 months or 16 months or whatever the length is and will be around after it. It's a liquidity game in the first place. And the second thing is to double down on what's working each month. Mm. That's why it's agile, because you look at the week, you look at the month, you look at the week, you look at the month as a team. That's the Lego. That's the Lego, not the Duplo. The Lego version versus the Duplo. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, part the, the word that really comes to mind for me beyond agile, too, is clarity. And you're creating clarity on a very regular cadence. And I think that's what many organizations, both large and small, often miss. You're creating clarity. I mean, you start with... The strategy, which is three year, one year, and a quarter, but then you've got the monthly and then rolling down to the weekly habits, ultimately leading to what do we need to do now, given the current environment? And then that enables us to adjust real time as market conditions are changing. Yeah. We have eliminated every milestones. We don't have milestones. We don't have, you know, we operate in in, in many, many, many countries and time zones every week. 
we don't have milestones. We just have a vision, three years, and we have our monthly rebudgeting accordingly to bring the vision into reality. And then we have weekly sprints based on the dashboard results. That's it. And a Kanban board, maybe doing done. That's how simple you can organize if you want simplicity. Simon, let me ask you a question here, because as I was doing some, some research for this call, I noticed that you're trusted by some very large organizations. And it also seems like you work with hundreds, thousands of entrepreneurs as well. I could see this methodology working really well in a small organization. How does it scale across an organization that's 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 people? You have to scale it up and down. Like every workout has a scaled version. Yep. Like if you can do full pull-ups, then there is a scaled version for you. So the same thing is with the sprint. It's fractals. So what we are discussing is for a team of four. A team of four is the perfect sprint team. And now an organization of 5,000 is actually, if you think of fractals, it's a team of four, team of fours, team of fours, team of fours, team of yeah. fours, team of fours. So if you use this structure and organize in many teams of fours, you can use this actually for the whole organization. You can run Google with it. You have to go to the to the next recursion level. That's, that's how you mm -hmm. call it in fractals. There are recursion levels that have the same yep. structure. And then you can have the same agile way of working on every level. It's actually pretty simple. We use one spreadsheet to run these things. You don't mm -hmm. even, it's really, you can make it pretty simple because you can create for the first team of four, it's the first tab of yes. that spreadsheet. And then every next tab is the is the next recursion the level. Next you can run 16 yeah. countries with one spreadsheet if mm. you want. Many people say, oh, that's not professional to run a corporation on a spreadsheet. It's professional to have clarity, real-time control, transparency, and execution. These mm. four things are professional. If you can do that with a spreadsheet, why not? Yeah. Simplicity, right? I mean, complexity is the is the key thing that gets in the way of execution. Let me ask you maybe a couple of last few questions here. You talk about in strategy sprints, this idea of traction instead of distraction, mapping your ideal week, time blockers on calendars. So getting, paying attention to your personal energy patterns. Tell us a little bit about this concept. Cause I think it's like, if you can get the organization aligned, clear, agile, there's also this element of, okay, like it seems like this is really about discipline and focusing on the right things. Yes. So many people say, oh, I'm distracted. And then I ask, from what? There is actually only distraction after you have defined what traction is. Mm -hmm. So we have many tools for the individual productivity and the team productivity. One of those is that you design your ideal week. You say, all right. I think I should work more on the business than in the business. Okay, what does it mean? What is it? And then you write it down. So, okay, in the morning, I will do just sales. And in the afternoon, I will have meetings. Okay, and so now gradually you start to understand 
what an ideal week is for them and how they can protect their creativity and uh, their genius and what a good flow also of the day. Some people work earlier, some people work later. So really create your ideal week that fits your being, your needs. Because if you don't, if you don't fulfill your needs, nobody else will. Yes. So you have to take care of your needs first. That's much more important than goals. Needs, because that's literally what you need. So that's where we start. And you do that by doing an ideal week. The practical template is a Google calendar or you know, an right. Outlook calendar where you create a template calendar and say, okay, that's it. This is my ideal week. And then every time somebody asks you, so you have you have it running as a template on the side. And every time somebody asks you, hey, Sal, can we have a meeting next Thursday? You quickly check your calendar and go, hmm, my meeting, my ideally, I have meetings on Friday afternoon after 1 p.m. And so you get, oh, yeah, mm, Thursday is taken. But what about Friday 1 p.m.? Yeah. And so it's an elegant way to start creating the ideal week the way you want it. And, and so gradually, reality and your ideal and the ideal week, so your reality and your needs will gradually come together. And so both on an individual level and on a team level, that's quite important to start thinking about what are my needs and then making them a reality and taking care of, of them so that you don't burn out over a long time. So you start gradually moving towards your ideal week. I did literally this over five years and now I live my, my dream week. Mm -hmm. You know, Simon, that concept is so critical, I think. and. I know that I can hear many of my corporate clients pushing back on that. This takes a lot of intention and discipline. And, and it happens over time. But I think we all can work on really designing that week so that we can be more productive. And, and you know, there's certain times of the day when I can do certain things better than something else. If I'm going to write or do strategic planning or a lot of creative work, I know with my own energy levels, I need to do that earlier in the day. There's usually a dip for me in the set, in the middle of the day. In the end of the day, I usually have sort of a rebound where meetings are a great time for me to slot in the dip of the day. So, But for people to really think about what their needs are when they're good at certain things during the day, and then to make intentional efforts to block their calendar, it's a game changer in terms of quality of life and productivity. Totally. So we have a tool that helps you identify those needs and, and you know, priority, seeing how strong they are. And so, for example, my needs, I have four needs, and one of them is so strong. It's the need for beauty. Mm. And because it is so strong, the next one is order. Okay. And then yeah. and two others, but less, less strong. Knowing that, I use that to take care that every hour, every day, and every week has this. And it's not incompatible with others. So when I have joint venture partners, when I have bigger, longer deals with people, I literally, I gave them I gave them the tool and say, hey, can you put in 10 minutes so that I, I see your needs? Because we are going to work together yeah. right. pretty intensively. I would like to see your needs. And I would like to map them with my needs. 
so that we see similarities and differences. To first to check if we should work together that intensely, and if we decide to work that intensely together, that we take care of each other's needs. And so they will have status very strong, and I have beauty very strong. And then we can say, mm, can we bring those things together? Yeah, maybe yes. We work in locations that have both. Mm. Or maybe not. Maybe there is status and family. And hmm, how do we do that? I don't know. Yeah. Right. So, you know, making care, really, really being honest to yourself. What are really your needs? And also mapping them together with the people that you're working with creates more, more commitment and more reliable cooperation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. So let me see if I can summarize some of the key points from, from our conversation today. In times of uncertainty, although probably in any time, part of how organizations will survive is through an agile mindset and a focus on agility, adaptability, as opposed to being the strongest. Fittest versus strongest distinction. Does that sound right? Yes. And there is strength in fitness, but you know, without the fit, whatever strength you put in will have no impact. Point number two, in order to create clarity and continue to be agile, we need some habits. We need daily habits, which focus on what we're doing today, what we're going to delegate for tomorrow. Weekly habits, you talked about the dashboard, having one key metric for sales, marketing operations, not 52 of them, and reviewing those with your cross-functional team. And then the monthly habits where you're looking at strategy. So you're looking at the three-year vision, one-year vision, and then the quarterly roll-up. Does that make sense? Is that right? Sounds pretty good. I should do that. <laughs> I should do it. In recessions, liquidity is important. Cash is king. And we have to think about where to reinvest so that we can double down on what's working. To me, when you said that, part of what I thought about is how many great companies have actually gotten better during recession where they've made really critical investments. That's why we need liquidity. And that's why we have to double down on what's working. Yeah. You know, I'm actually pretty excited about recessions because this is the time where we can buy competitors, we can buy suppliers, mm. we can buy assets at, that are undervalued. I mean, if you look at companies, their value and their price right now, there is a huge delta there. So people who do their strategic work, have their three habits in place, they will be in a strong position to buy competitors, to buy suppliers, to vertically integrate, to horizontally integrate. This, this is very, very exciting times for entrepreneurs for gaining market share, actually, and doing things a little bit different. Like, for example, I always, I always help teams spend less in ads. But right now, in a recession, this is the time where you can crush it with a with a mid-sized budget because everybody cuts ads right now. Everybody. So you can compete with the biggest, the biggest brands right now for uh, a very affordable budget. And so these are the things that that happen in a recession. Opportunities. Mm -hmm. Opportunities that only come in a recession. This is what you actually prepare for to be ready to 
to use these opportunities. Love that. Final comment here is traction versus distraction. And we talked a bit about creating that ideal week and really understanding your own needs as it pertains to that week, understanding other people's needs. If you're going to work with others on a project or engagement in some way, mapping those and coming to some clarity on that, but it takes discipline. It takes intention to really create that ideal week so that you've got more traction instead of distraction. Thank you for the summary. I feel very well heard. All right. <laughs> well, Simon, thank you for, for being on the show. I know that as we enter the new year, as we enter more periods of uncertainty, these ideas, they're both strategic and also very tactical as well. And so we'll put a link to your website in our session notes. Maybe you could just let us know. You mentioned a couple of templates that people can download. Where should they go to if they want to get access to those free templates you mentioned? Yeah, they're all open source. Strategiesprints.com. They can download the daily flow, the weekly habit, the monthly habit. They're all available for free. The more people use them, the better our surroundings will be. So yeah, they can grab them. And if they want to go deeper, they can grab the book on Amazon, Strategies Prints. And if they want to talk to a sprint coach and see how they can apply this to their world, they can go to strategiesprints.com and schedule a time with us. Awesome. Simon, thanks so much. I know this is going to help organizations create a lot of clarity in the new year and with more uncertainty. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Keep rolling, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Sal Sylvester on the Future of Leadership podcast. You can get session notes on our website at 512solutions.com. That's the numbers 512solutions.com. Please follow and like the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're tuning in. And if you want to learn more about how we can help transform your people into confident and action-oriented leaders, please check out our website at 512solutions.com. I look forward to continuing the conversation about the future of leadership, I'm out.